Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game time decisions. All right, let's roll. Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage Radio. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Gabe Morancy, kicking it live. Studio 34, Main Studios. Week four of the National Football League is here. It's amazing. Quarter uh, quarter uh, way mark of the National Football League uh, regular season is going to be done uh, after uh, after this uh, week. Uh, we've got a freaking stacked show today. We're, we're jam-packed, man. We're jam-packed. we got Steve Merrill's going to join us in about five minutes. Uh, Mick Aussie's going to join us. And you guys know I cover the AFL, the Aussie Football uh, League. Um, But, you know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. We were in the studio. We've been on the road. We've been everywhere. So we haven't been breaking down the AFL, but it's the grand finale um, coming up uh, tonight, later on tonight. So Mick Aussie is going to join us. We'll cap that. We'll break that down. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, joins us every Friday at 5 o'clock to talk football, college football, NFL football, best bets. Ricky Sanders, DailyRoto.com, will join us in the 6 o'clock hour to talk uh, DFS. And uh, it's good news, bad news. We don't have our main man, the raging redhead Cam Stewart. Uh, we wish him the best. Uh, we know that um, him and his girlfriend uh, have been uh, dealing with the uh, situations, uh, loss. Uh, you know, it's been a it's summer of loss and unfortunately a, a fall of loss so far as well. So Cam's uh, tending to some personal business. That's the bad news. We wish him the best. The good news is we've got royalty to help us navigate our way through the uh, the fantasy uh, football um, minefields uh, this weekend. The King, Scott Engel, steps up and in on short notice, like a pitcher, saying, "Hey, you know what? You, you don't get your regular. Uh, you don't get your regular rest. You got to get in there right now." Scott Engel, what's up, uh, King? How you doing, Scott? Hey, Gabe. Good to be with you. Always wanted to host a show with you, so I'm looking forward to today. I guess I'm like the Tampa Bay Rays. I guess you know it gets the bullpen <laughs> game today. You're Stanek. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Stanek. Yeah, I actually I actually met Stanek a, a few months ago and a uh, big fantasy football player. I should, should Is he really huh? from him soon? Yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, all these all these major league teams yeah. have uh have fantasy football leagues in their clubhouses. They're fanatical about it and you know, that's how I become friendly with a lot of the guys. Yeah, you know, a lot of them actually bet too. And I'm not talking about like on baseball and stuff, but Yeah. Exactly. Like they all they're they're regular guys. I've always felt Scott and you've been around a long time. And I know you enjoy going to a clubhouse and you talk to big leaguers all the time. And and I've been around like every professional athlete, different leagues, et cetera. I've always felt I've related most. I get along with NBA players well, uh, but I think it's because we both like to blaze. So um, with that being stated, I seem to have the most in common with ball players. Like baseball players are just regular sports fans, aren't they? March Madness, bracket pools, NFL. Like they always, I used to go into the Expos clubhouse and, we didn't talk baseball. That asked me, "What do you think of the Steelers minus seven this week, Marenzi?" <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like that. You know, it's like uh, one of my good friends is like 
is Rich Mancuso, who's like Burt Sugar's protege here in New York, and he's big on boxing. And he, he becomes he's friendly with a lot of the players because they like to talk boxing with him. I guess I guess they're the only ones watching boxing because HBO is no, no longer covering boxing. They've dropped out of the game after 45 years. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, actually. I guess I should have. The changing of the game. Uh, you know the, um, the uh, streaming service, uh, Dazzin? It's yeah, a, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah D A Z N, like nine ninety nine a month or something like that. Yeah, it's actually called the Zone, which I don't know why they just didn't call it the Zone then. Like, would have made more sense. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, the streaming exactly. They've come in. It's a changing technology right now. You know, look the the L A Kings, Scott. They're going to be the first team in the NHL. They're bypassing AM radio, so they're still going to have radio broadcast, but they're just doing it online now. And they're going to sell online advertising, like the AM radio model. You know, that's, can you imagine a day when, like, baseball's not on AM radio? It's going to be online? I remember in the yeah, old remember, days when my, I did the Expos. used to sit, Crazy. sit out in the backyard with his transistor, you know, listening to the Mets. But, you know, they have to find new ways because yep. nobody's watching boxing. The ratings are so down. The last fight that HBO had, they had the lowest ratings ever. You know, no, nobody ever doing okay. watches the just NHL, HBO. it seems. No, NHL does a little better as well. Boxing does okay. It's just, it's... In America, there's not that big star boxer. But it, trust me, around no. the world, it's massive. In Mexico, it's massive. Uh, Triple I guess G. I'm looking at things from a domestic perspective. Yeah, but look at Triple G and Canelo Alvarez just fought in Vegas. They made a ton of money, you know? They made yeah. a ton of money. But I, I hear what you're saying. It's not the same. It's not, it's not. Look, I remember, and you probably remember it. I remember being a kid, and my mother, may she rest in peace, but I remember telling my mom, hurry up, Mom. We were walking home from, like, a mall or something. And I said, I got to watch... Um, you know, Muhammad Ali and Leon Spinks. And it was on free TV, like Howard Cosell, ABC, Saturday afternoons. Yeah, and uh, you know, the last big fight that I remember that really captured the imagination, uh, you know, of, of here domestically in America was probably Holyfield Tyson. Yep. I think the only thing I'm looking forward to now is uh, is, is uh, Adonis Creed versus uh, Ivan Drago's son. Yeah, and, and, and Rocky 13. That's going to be coming Creed 2, yeah. All right, yeah. so all right, we've got a stacked show here. We've got a ton of guests joining us. Our first guest steps up and in right now. Uh, Cam Stewart's uh, off today. The King Scott Angle is in. Maybe we'll talk. We'll take some fantasy football questions a little bit uh, later on. We'll talk DFS with Ricky Sanders as well. But we're talking football, 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 little college football, NFL football mostly, and uh, some baseball. Baseball playoffs around the corner. So me and Scott will talk yep. some baseball. Let's bring Steve Merrill in right now. Uh, ProSportsInfo.com. One of the covers experts uh, as well. Steve, always a pleasure. How you doing? Hey, guys, doing well. So, uh, Steve, uh, you know, say hi to Scott. And Scott's actually one of the few. Scott and his and his son have a NASCAR podcast here on the network. And Scott's a big NASCAR guy. I got to be honest, uh, Steve, since football started, NASCAR's really taken a back seat. Are they still racing? Did it go on without me? <laughs> it's gotten so bad that they've decided to go half road course half oval this week. Yeah, the roval. Yeah, they're going ro- they're going roval this week. <laughs> There's like no- nothing to make basis on when we do the father and son fantasy. Yeah, no data. No later. data king. There's yeah, nothing they, to do on they, this, they, right? Kazalowski will win. <laughs> what so what let's yeah, all seriously we started a little NASCAR. I like to bet NASCAR and I'm intrigued by this. Because I tell you what, Scott, me and Steve Maryland, Steve's in Virginia. He's a big NASCAR guy. And right. me and Steve have been saying for years, we thought that there should be a road course in the playoffs, that there should be a road course in a playoff chase, that it's, you know, you have these cookie cutters all the time, and it's kind of generic, and if you really want to make it real, 
So they sort of compromised and said, all right, we'll do half oval, half road course, and let's call it a roval. And they actually trademarked it. Cardano thought I invented the word. I was like, no, they, NASCAR trademarked it. No, it's a, you know, this roval, roval is a new thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I guess the best way to scout it maybe, Steve, is, you know, maybe look at some past road course guys. You know, you know who's good on the road courses. I, I think, you know, you got to like A.J. Dolbendinger for, to some degree. Yeah, Scott, what jumps out at me about this is, is how ballsy it is for NASCAR, not only to put it in the playoffs, but to put it as the third race of a stage cutoff because it is basically like handicapping a restrictor plate. It's very uncertain. There's really no way to know for sure how these guys are going to run on this course. Yet at least Talladega is the second of the third race in round 12. So this is a huge race. It's going to eliminate four drivers. And if the practice sessions over the season so far are any indication, guys are spinning out. Going to have to obviously look at the practice times, you know, going into tomorrow, this weekend. Yeah. But even those aren't going to be indicative of race conditions. So I, I really think what you have to do is you have to default to the best drivers. Yeah. And if there's ever this much uncertainty, it's going to go down to those guys. And guys like Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. have been the three best drivers by far the past couple seasons. And they're good on ovals, and they're good on road courses. You know, Truex won on a road course, and he's dominated the Charlotte last year so. I really think those are going to be the three. But, yeah, like you said, Keselowski could always be in the mix as Logano. And also a guy like Kyle Larson. I think they're all very good drivers as well. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, when you go, when it's you go down the list, though, it's like when you, when, you want to, when you want to find, like, those values, I think, you know, maybe, you know, especially, like, if you're playing daily, too, or you're just, you, you're just betting the field, it's, you know, a guy like Olmendinger, you know, is yeah. like he's experienced. I'm looking for, like, experience and maybe some road course acumen. And I was going to ask you, Scott, what do you think, too? It's tough because it's a roval, but as far as the road course aspect of this, it's much more Watkins Glen than it is Sonoma. It, I think we can take yeah. a little bit of Watkins Glen out of this. Yeah, I, I think so. But you know, I, I'd look at a guy like Almondinger on, on any on any good ro- on a, any good road course here. But you know, it's going to be hard to pick out some of the, some of the better drivers. You know, especially like if you're playing on DraftKings or FanDuel this week. You know, which we always talk about on the show. It's uh, it, it, I think experience is going to count. I think you want to avoid some of the younger drivers. This may be a week where I don't like Eric Jones. I don't like Daniel Suarez. Uh, you know what? In the six o'clock hour, well, no, let's Suarez, take, let's though, take a look at prices. Well, I'll just say Suarez is interesting, though, because he's actually a very good road course guy, you know, so that's where it gets tricky. Um, one thing I would say, my gut feeling on this is it's going to be a road course race because you have yeah. to set the car up for the, what is it, the 11 road course turns and not the two oval turns. So the more I'm thinking about this, I, I think you probably handicap it like a road course. Yeah. The uh, the odds right now, so um, this is to win the championship. This isn't to win the race. This is to win the championship. Kyle Busch is plus 250. Kevin Harvick is plus 275. Martin Truex is 4 to 1. Kislowski is plus 550. Kyle Larson, 8 to 1. Joey Logano, 18 to 1. And then there's a drop off um, as, far as, uh, as far as the odds are concerned. All right, Steve. So let's, um, we'll, we'll return to NASCAR in a 6 o'clock hour after we talk football with Ricky Sanders. But speaking of football, a couple of college games on the, on the card here tonight. You know, the odds makers only set UCLA's win total at 5.5. And uh, that looks like a daunting task right now after this start. And uh, now they're in the conference play. Colorado's been pretty impressive this year, despite the fact they didn't have many returning starters. Uh, Steve, what's your take on the college card tonight? 
Yeah, I think UCLA is a very dangerous team to be back in right now. We talk about all these teams with new coaching staffs, new schemes, whether it be you know Florida State, Nebraska, UCLA have all really struggled. We know they have talent on those programs, their major five conference programs, but you have to see something. You know, I always say, Gabe, don't try to catch a falling knife. That's how I feel <laughs> these teams are right now. Um, there's obviously point spread value, but until I see something on the field, it's really tough for me to get behind one of these teams. Yeah, Fresno, Fresno State went in there and just kicked the crap out of them. When you got Mountain West teams running you off the field on the Rose Bowl you know, grass, you got problems. Um, you know, we, we, we see they actually battled a little bit with Oklahoma, but Oklahoma was coming off that big win against FAU. We're seeing now the quarterback's father's coming out and ripping Chip Kelly and seems to be getting ugly already. And it's amazing, Scott. Um, seems like wherever Chip Kelly goes, he seems to piss people off and alienate people pretty quickly, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe he'll be getting bumped to high school. Uh, you yeah, know, what's next? Uh, <laughs> Back yeah, well, to Maine for Steve, him. Stevie, are you, are you paying attention to this Memphis-Tulane game at all? Yeah, I think it's an interesting game. I mean, the one thing that jumps up to me about this game, obviously, is that uh, Tulane just played Ohio State. They lost 49-6. You wonder what that took out of them, now having to play on a short week with just five days rest. Um, they are back home for the first time since early September as well. Uh, so I think from a scheduling spot, it might be better for Memphis, even though they're on the road here on the short week. You just wonder what Tulane has left after getting beat up last week. And if you look at it statistically also, Tulane does throw the ball well, as does Memphis. So if they're beat up defensively, if they both throw the ball well, it's a big total, but 65 and a half might not be high enough. I'll tell you what, Scott, coming into the year, Tulane was a trendy play to go bowling this year. Um, their their win total was like five and a half. Uh, it went up to six in some spots. You know, six is the elusive number to go bowling. And a lot of people were high on this football team and what, what they had going on. You know, they stumbled out of the gate. Big game tonight. I would tend to lean with the dog here, actually. I, th- I think they can hang around a little bit. You know, I just think it's a little bit high of a number for Memphis to be laying, but but I don't love it. All right, so before we get into some NFL, and I'm more in an NFL mood this week, there are some good college games, man. Stanford, Notre Dame. And what about this Ohio State-Penn State game, Steve? I, 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 I did an ESPN radio hit earlier in the day, ESPN uh, Southwest Florida, and um, we were talking about this game, and I said I can't remember in my lifetime a Big Ten total ever being 69 points. Yeah, and it might not be high enough. That, that's the crazy thing. I really do think both these teams are going to trade points. Um, it's sitting on that key number of three, three and a half, which is so critical in football. You know, about 10% of the time, a favorite's going to win by exactly three points. So I do think that extra hook, that three and a half with Penn State, gets me leaning towards the home dog. Me there. too. No, everyone's on Ohio State here, Steve, forth. but I think Penn State are a dangerous uh, home dog here. On a Saturday night, it's going to be a yeah, crazy you know atmosphere. Yeah, and the thing is, Gabe, you know, it, it's one of those public revenge plays. Everyone, you know, looks at it. They don't technically have revenge, but they lost as a 17-point road favorite. They had revenge last year. They barely won 39-38 as a seven-point home favorite. So everyone feels like, wow, Ohio State's going to make a statement this year. But they've played a cupcake schedule so far. And Penn State has struggled defensively as well, that Appalachian State game. But they've played much better defensively since then. But Ohio State's given up some yardage in some games this year. And I think both these defenses are suspect. Yeah, Stanford Notre Dame is a fun one, too. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. No, it's okay. Sorry about that. Uh, what about uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech? You got number 12 against number 25 this weekend. Yes, Scott, I think that's a good game as well. Um, I lean towards Texas Tech in that one at home. Uh, West Virginia's been really solid on both ends of the ball. They've given up only 12 points a game this year, but I find it hard to believe their defense is really that good. And I think this is one of those cases where they're taking a step up in offensive class, and uh, we'll find out or not they're really ready for that type of level. 
Steve Merrill with us, prosportsinfo.com. Uh, and, you know, we got about a minute left before the break here, so we'll hit NFL. Uh, we'll blast through some NFL games. Uh, Steve's got another radio hit to do a little bit later on. But uh, Stanford-Notre Dame, very good game. And all Stanford does is cover. I'm a big, 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 big David Shaw fan. He's a great coach. He's a great program. And to me, this game's a toss-up, and I'm getting five and a half points. I got to go with the road dog here and the Cardinal. You know, Gabe, last week, all the shows I do mostly on Fridays, I think I mentioned to you that the one game that all the uh, the square hosts, and you guys, by the way, are not squares. You're the sharp hosts. But the square hosts <laughs> liked were Wake, was Wake Forest last week. You know, these are guys I was that all over bad. Notre they Dame last week. They just follow sports. Yeah, I was all over yeah, the so that's always As you know, that's... It's always a huge red flag for me when when the public is, you know, jumping on a dog. And everyone seemed to love Wake last week, and we know how that worked out. So, Notre Dame flying a bit under the radar. Tough spot for Stanford, though, after that Oregon win. We'll see what they have left. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll talk NFL games on the other side with Steve Merrill. Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage. The King, Scott Engel for Cam Stewart. I'm Marenzi. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Game Time Decisions, Red Heat Rage Radio, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio. I am Gabriel Morenci, throwing it down. Studio 34. Stack show today. Steve Merrill, Mick Gossie, Ian Cameron, Ricky Sanders. We got the King, Scott Angle, talking some NASCAR. We'll talk baseball. We'll talk fantasy football uh, with Scott. Ton of stuff uh, to get to. But let's let's uh, let's get a couple of minutes in here with Steve before we bring Mick Gossie in. And uh, Steve is out on his way. Steve. We've been doing pretty well in National Football League. You're only as good as your next uh, bet uh, or game in this league. Yet, for me personally, I find this week to be pretty tricky week. Uh, are, are the games jumping off the screen to you this week or not? I really thought last week was the crazy week. If you look at the results, you know, I've always felt like the first four weeks of the NFL is a different handicap than week five on. A lot of the technical indicators I use, I always wait for four games and start applying them in week five. So I thought week three was crazy. It'll be interesting to see if week four is as well. I mean, look at the Jaguars. They beat the Patriots, and they don't even score more than six points in the next game. And speaking of the Patriots, I mean, how bad have they looked recently? And you got the Eagles also failing to cover once again. So it's almost like it's still the preseason, and we're going to look back in a month or two and be like, boy, there was some value fading a team like New England. I think the game that jumps out of me this week is that New England game. You've got the Dolphins off to a 3-0 start, but they've played Tennessee Jets and Raiders. They have not been tested. New England off back-to-back losses. This is normally the type of game New England would win by 17 or 20 points um, if it's still the same Patriots squad, but I'm not so sure it is. We'll find out. What do you think, Scott, of the Jets and the Jags game? That's a perplexing one in which Blake Bortles looked like Blake Bortles again last week. That Jet defense is pretty much as good as the Jags defense. Not quite as good, but the Jets defense can ball. My one concern, Scott, is um, is Darnold on the road. Is he, is he going to turn the ball over one too many times in this game? What's your feeling on the Jets-Jags? Yeah, I'm taking the under on this. It's 38-and-a-half right now. 
and uh, Jacksonville is minus seven and a half. I'm taking the Jets here because, you know, the Jets have a pretty opportunistic secondary, a pretty good defensive line, and, you know, really a mishmash and wide receiver right now uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Plus, Lennon Fournette is listed as questionable. I I think the Jaguars are going to have as much trouble moving the ball as the Jets will, and uh, with Blake Bortles, they're always susceptible to turnovers there, and then obviously, what do the Jets really have that they can go with Jacksonville with that offensive line versus that defensive line is not a good matchup. Quincy and Newman in the, in the slot is maybe the only viable wide receiver they have. So I'm definitely looking at the under on this game and uh, you know taking the Jets plus seven and a half. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I agree with Scott. I was going to say the under is tempting because, um, you know, Jacksonville obviously showed they are somewhat of a suspect offensive team, putting up only six points, as I mentioned last week against Tennessee. But defense was still strong again, holding them tight. Titans just nine points. Plus, you have to be, if you're back in the Jets here, you really got to be worried about Sam Darnell on the road against the best defense in the league. Um, so I'm never big on laying a big number with Jackson because of that offense. So the under probably is the safest play. All right, before we get you out of here, Steve, because I know you got to go. Cleveland Browns and the Raiders. It's an intriguing game, man. You know, the Browns are actually a perfect 3-0 against the spread, one of only four teams uh, that have covered uh, every game um, this year. So um, what, what, what do you make of this? Can the Browns actually win two games in a row? The Raiders aren't terrible. They just sort of run out of gas late in the fourth quarter. They're an old team. They seem to play well in the first half. But what do you make of this one, Steve? Yeah, I mean, the Raiders 0-3 start isn't looking as bad when you consider the Rams and the Dolphins are, what, 7-0 combined now after the Rams won last night. And then the only other loss was in between at Denver, five-and-a-half-point dog. They lose by a point, should have won the game. They were leading late in that game. So um, I do think Oakland's a capable team for the 0-3 record. Normally this would look like a terrible spot for Cleveland, but they do have a little extra rest time since they played on Thursday. Maybe that's enough to you know, reset and carry some momentum in. But there again, just like Sam Darnell I mentioned, I'm not no, I'm not sure I'm ready to back Baker Mayfield in his first road start ever. It's long-term, that's not a great angle to be making money in the NFL. Steve Merrill, ProSportsInfo.com, one of the Covers experts over at CoversExperts.com. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Steve. May the winners be yours. Thanks, guys. There's uh, Steve Merrill uh, with us. All right, we got a quick moving uh, train on this program today. We go from one football to another. We'll get back to the National Football League. And, Scott, this is going to be a real treat for you. We're talking uh, AFL football. Uh, right now, and um, there's going to be over a hundred thousand people uh, in the stadium. This is like uh, basically, basically, it's like the Super Bowl. It's called the grand, uh, the grand final, and um, we got West Coast, who happens to be my favorite team, the West Coast Eagles, looking for their first championship in 12 years, taking on Collingwood. I'm a little bit surprised to see Collingwood minus seven and a half. It kind of sucks that I was on the road so much recently and we weren't able to ride this West Coast wave uh, on the air with Mick Aussie. But uh, we've been breaking down the, uh, the championship uh, game for, I don't know, probably about, uh, you know, about 15 years now uh, with, uh, with Mick Aussie. Mick Aussie joins us. Follow him on Twitter at Mick Aussie. Mick Aussie.com. What's up, Mick? Hey, mate. Uh, yeah, big night. The game starts about midnight your time out there in New York. There's parties all over North America tonight. So, big game. And congratulations on your West Coast Eagles making it. They weren't even tipped to make the eight. And same with the Collie Wobble Magpies as well. But it's going to be a ripper of a game, mate, in Melbourne. Yeah, you know what? So, we remember, Mick, uh, that West Coast made it to the championship game in 2015. It was a heartbreaking loss. So, they're back once again. 
you know, you remember earlier in the year I was betting on West Coast and nobody really believed in them and we were always getting value with the point spread. And here we are right now, last game of the year. Nobody believes in them again. Collingwood, minus seven and a half point favorites. Yeah, mate, the main reason for that is because it's basically a home game for Collingwood. For people that don't know, Collingwood is a Melbourne-based team. The grand final was every year at the MCG in Melbourne, close to 100,000. So Perth is way over on the West Coast. The Eagles got to travel over there. But the good thing is, mate, they've played better this year in Melbourne. Like last year, they couldn't win at all over there. They've won a couple of games in Melbourne this year. The new stadium out there in Perth, beautiful, just opened this year. Very similar size to the MCG. So it's going to be a ripper, mate. The experts are torn. And uh, it's going to come down, I think, to who gets the upper hand on the mid the mid ball, the little players, the guys that control the game. That could be the key. And Collingwood looks slightly better in that area. But the Eagles got two great forwards, mate. So it's going to be a classic game, I believe. I see that West Coast have beaten them twice this year. And, Scott, you know what they say. It doesn't matter what league it is, Scott. You know, tough to beat the same team three times. West Coast Eagles beat them twice already this year. Yeah, and uh, how much how much of a key figure for West Coast is Jeremy McGovern tonight? Oh, great point. Fantastic play. You watch him. When you watch tonight, you'll see him moving around. He's a big fella. He'll be on the half-back line most likely. Just judges the ball fantastic. So that's the key with Aussie football. You judge the ball, you get in the right spot, and then you dispose of it. So a big key. He might even line up on the American game. We've talked about Mason Cox for a few years. He was only just in the team before this year. He had a breakout year. And the fella from Texas, Oklahoma State, he's like eight foot tall, I reckon. Sticks his arms up. He's probably (laughs) 12 foot tall. He had the best game of his career last year, kicked three three great goals, got second best. But I think McGovern and the defense uh, might might uh, nullify him tomorrow. Yeah, you know what, uh, Scott? Mason Cox, and I like the Scott Engel. That's why yeah. he's the king. He's dropping McGovern references now. But this Mason Cox guy, a real rarity. Like, how many Americans have there been in this league over the years, or at least that have lasted? I know there's been a few Americans that play, but, you know, they didn't play much. But uh, Mason Cox, um, Scott, actually a basketball player from Oklahoma State. You know, the, the kid's uh, he's, he's born in Texas, and here he is playing in the, in the championship in Australia tonight. Crazy world, huh? Yeah, 27 years old from Highland Village, Texas. And, uh, you know, not quite, what did he say, 20 feet, but he's 6'11". <laughs> <laughs> so what's your prediction, Mick? What do you got for us in this game? What do you think happens? Oh, my, you know what? It's really hard to tell. I'm going to, my best bet, I think, is take the Eagles to cover. I think the Magpies might get over just just because of the main reasons. It's in Melbourne. They're going to have 80,000 fans there compared to 20,000. Could influence the umpires slightly. It is their home ground. Magpies are injured. They had some injuries. The Eagles forwards are going to be the key. So it could be a ripper. Safest bet. Take Eagles to cover because they are a chance to win. But if I was going to really say, I think the Magpies might win just. But my second best bet, Gabe, you love the under-overs. I don't often talk under-overs. Yeah, it's 161 and a half. I'm sort of thinking under, Mick. I think it's a lower scoring game, but what do you think? 
Well, this I've looked at the last six or seven years, and they are generally around that mark. But both teams have potential to put up big scores. The trouble is in grand finals, players get nervous. They'll kick a point instead of a goal, so that's one point instead of six. Um, and then, you know, they just get nervous, and, and that's the trouble. And it's very tight. So the first 10 minutes will probably be very tight. So that's probably the reason why the grand finals are a little bit less scoring. But no, both teams can, can score big. So if it's dry, probably take the over. You're going over 161 and a half. So what's your party like, uh, Mick, here tonight? You're going to get absolutely blasted and uh, go to a bar and watch this? <laughs> Mate, like, like I said, there is parties all over North America. I'll be with the Edmonton Footy Club here, downtown Edmonton, Urban Tavern. There's a big party in New York, so you should go along. But they're the New York Magpies, so you better not tell them you're an Eagles fan. But yeah, fantastic. There's a Come big party in New York tonight for this? There's a big viewing party in New York tonight? Yeah, I looked it up. It's at Fifth and Mad. So we're all going to be mad later tonight. So, yeah, the New York Magpies, they're a good team down there in the States. Got a good following. I've uh, known a few boys there, and uh, they used to play in the Bronx. I don't know where they play now, though. (laughs) Listen to Mick Scott. He's busting out some some, uh, New York AFL teams now. Yeah, there you go. And, uh... You know, according to you know to what the media is saying about this, you know, this is one they're going to be talking about for a long time. You know, those who back Collingwood, you know, it it, it means a lot to them. You know, they, it, it's really like it's just it's just more than a game for them. You know, it means history and and family for them. Oh, it's massive! It's massive for Collingwood. Yeah. West Coast are sort of an arrogant franchise out on the West. It's funny, Mick. Aren't like West Coast Eagles? Aren't they like the L.A. Rams? Kind of. It's the same thing. Same colors. Flashy weather, sun. Yeah, they've always reminded me of the Rams. Yeah, I like them. They, uh, they got the nice weather. Perth's a beautiful city. A bit drier out there. So that's why I'm saying if it's going to rain, well, that's another definite advantage to the Collywobble Magpies. But no, I like the Eagles, mate. It hates me to say it. I think the Magpies might just get over because, no, nah, I'm not a big fan. I like them more than I used to. The coach... Um, Nathan Buckley, he was friendly to us down there at Las Vegas at the U.S. Nationals years ago. So I don't hate him as much as I used to. But, yeah, it's massive, mate. Great pre-game entertainment. Black Eyed Peas are playing, minus Hottie Fergie, though. So that's a bit disappointing. And then oh, at halftime, they have a sprint, mate. They have a sprint of the one player from each team. So, yeah, it's, it is. It's as big as the Super Bowl in America. It is our Super Bowl in Australia, without doubt. You know what I'm looking at here, Scott? I see the uh, the and I can't go. You know, we've been on. We've been here since six in the morning, essentially. So, but you know, it's going to be late tonight. But it's it's uh, what is Fifth and Mad? What the hell does that mean, Fifth and Mad? But it's on Thirty Sixth Street East. And it's right around the corner from here, Scott. Uh, the big yeah. AFL viewing yeah. party tonight starts at eight o'clock. These guys are going to be really hammered by the time the game starts at midnight. Yeah, and I, I I have to imagine, you know, where I live in Queens, you know, where there's, uh, yeah, I I think there's probably going to be a lot of parties around here too. Man, I like to you know, go into a bar. Hey, turn that Yankee game off. West Coast Eagles are playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mick. So you're saying you can't, you you know, Mick, you got to be definitive with a pick here. All right, you're the Australian guy, so you're saying that you think Collingwood, the Cobbly Wobblies, the Magpies, the dreaded, hated Magpies are going to win, but you think West Coast cover? Yeah, that's my pick, mate. 
if any team is going to blow it out, I see the Magpies have more chance of blowing the game out than the Eagles because it is in uh, Melbourne. But like I said, Eagles are a big chance to win as well, and that's why I would go for Eagles on the plus seven and a half, and I'd also go on the over. But hey, mate, the NFL's damn tough to pick, so hopefully we do a bit better. And me, you, and Kev, the tips that we did great regular season. I won one of the competitions down there by a streak. But the the finals of playoffs, mate, has been unpredictable. But both teams had big wins last week, so it should be an absolute ripper. I just hope it's a close game, and I hope the Eagles get up for your sake. And, uh, yeah, I like Perth. All right, Mick. So before we get you out of here, Scott, uh, Mick's also a, a diehard uh, Denver Bronco fan. And... I, I don't know what the Angle's opinion is on this game, but I actually think, Mick, your Denver Broncos are going to um, – they're going to have the most success against Mahomes. Now, Mahomes still going to get his. He's still going to put numbers up, but Denver's always been a dangerous dog. I think Case Keenum is also going to have a massive game against that Kansas City defense, and I'm taking the points. Give me the five points. It was five and a half earlier in the week. I think it's down to four and a half in most spots now, to be honest. But let's say, you know, five will bite a half a point. I think the Denver Broncos hang around, Mick. What's your take? Oh, I love you. To hear, I love hearing that, mate. Yeah, Case Keenan's been a bit disappointing, so let's hope he does have a breakout game. Let's hope Von Miller and Chubby Chickenberg can get to Mahomes, but they're looking dangerous, the Chiefs. So, yeah, let's hope he uh, has a rough one. Broncos, would, oh, I'd love to see him win, mate, because I love him, as you know. And, uh, oh, I think... Uh, I think Chargers are going to be a big chance against, um, God, those 49ers without the quarterback. What's the name of the quarterback? Beat Hart or something? Anyway. So yeah, yeah, CJ Beathard, yeah. Yeah, Beat Hart. <laughs> beat Hart, yeah. But, uh, That's what's going to yeah, happen to Case, him. Case Keenum is a journeyman. It wouldn't be surprised to see him shrivel. Right now, let me ask you. don't think he has a big is, game, uh, Scott, is, on Monday against that defense? Three intercept. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one. I think it's like the Seattle game. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. But let me ask: Pat Mahomes has been so f- uh, good so far. Is he like uh, the NFL's uh, version of Steel Sidebottom? Steel <laughs> <laughs> Sidebottom. Steel Sidebottom. He come runner up in the MVP, the Brownlow Medal. So yeah, he's a great little player. And there's another bet we can have on the AFL. You can bet on the Norm Smith medal, which is the best player. So yep. uh, all these odds are up on Bet365, so you can bet there. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention a whatever website, but that's where I kind of lay a few bets. So, yeah, it's big, mate. All right, uh, Mick. So enjoy enjoy the game here tonight, Mick. Thanks thanks for checking in with us. And uh, go West Coast. And... Um... And uh, go Denver on on Monday night. I'm taking the Broncos plus the points. Yeah, thanks, guys. And, Gabe, you've, you've followed this game and promoted it. You and I have probably promoted it more than anyone in North America. So uh, have a good night. And I know you love sitting up late at night laying bets on the AFL. So hopefully you enjoy it. And hope the West Coast Eagles can win. See you later. <laughs> There's Mick Aussie. You can follow him on Twitter. And, uh, yes, he's even crazier in person uh, than he actually sounds. Um <laughs> All right, we'll take we'll I take. Just a wanted qu- to stay steel side bottom. That's yeah, it's pretty slick. Um, we'll take yeah. a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk more football. You know, we got Ian Cameron coming up at five o'clock. It's going to be all football. So why don't we talk baseball on the other side with the King Scott Angle? Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage Radio, Fantasy Sports Radio Network continues.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Game Time Decisions. Fantasy Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio continues. The King Scott Angle in for Cam Stewart. Busy start to the show. We had Steve Merrill and uh, we had uh, Mick Gossie uh, on uh, with us. Uh, good stuff uh, there with uh, with Mick. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, Babano uh, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Ricky Sanders in the 6 o'clock hour. So we got your back covered. Betting, fantasy, DFS. We're going to hit it all. So I figured this is actually not a bad opportunity to jump in and talk some baseball. Uh, I know uh, Scott Angle is very, very passionate about uh, America's uh, pastime, even though I think football is this surpassed baseball is the Amer- America's pastime. But, um, you know, this this baseball playoffs, and I tell you what, Scott, whoever wins the World Series this year is going to have to freaking earn it. They, you know, it should be sponsored by E.F. Hutton. Remember the old days, E.F. Hutton? They make fashion <laughs> the old money weight. They earn it. Yes. To get through the American League is a freaking gauntlet this year with the Astros, the A's, the Yankees, the Indians, the Red Sox. And in the National League, you got some dangerous red-hot teams right now. They don't quite carry the same heavy sticks as some of these American League teams do, but I'm very excited, not just saying this either. I'm really looking forward to the baseball playoffs. It's going to be crazy stuff. Yeah, it is. Even though you say it's a gauntlet in the American League, though, it's it's going to be really tough for you you know to knock off Boston, uh, although you know Houston certainly has the starting pitching you know to go back to the World Series. I it, it's funny you listen to Carton and Friends in the morning and you figure like the Yankees are the only team in baseball, yeah. but uh, you know I don't even know if they'll make it out of the wild card. I don't game. think they do. You know, I like the A's to beat them, Scott. Staff. I like the A's yeah. to beat them on Wednesday. Did the A's are one of the hottest team in baseball over the last two months. They get no respect. They do, and you know who else gets no respects? Colorado. And, you know, yeah. for so many years, especially, you know, we always heard about, like, pitching stinks in Colorado. What a job Bud Black has done with this pitching staff. You actually have guys who are putting up terrific numbers, uh, you, you know, here in Colorado. This this team actually has a really good pitching staff, probably the best pitching staff in franchise history. Uh, you saw another team, too, I want to talk about a little bit about is uh, Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's sort of a dark horse and a team that's, you know, you've been in clubhouses. You can just sort of tell whether they, they like each other and they have that it factor or whether they're uptight and they're under pressure. seems like Milwaukee, it just has fun. You know, they, yeah, they're, they, they're yeah, a they fun do. team. They're loaded. They're playing with house money. You know, they're Milwaukee. Nobody expects anything from them anyways. You know, it's not the same pressure that the Cubs or Dodgers have. Yeah, Milwaukee's very interesting, you know, because the clubhouse vibe you got in there, you know, that it was it was very loose. And, you know, big key for them has been the season that Christian Yelich is having. You know, I remember when I used to talk to, like, 
people around the Marlins, the GM at the time, Dan Jennings, said, this guy's a future batting champ, but the, you know, the power would never really come along with the rest. And now the power has come along with the rest. And you know, Christian Yelich is arguably the best player in the National League right now. Uh, you've covered, uh, I'm assuming you've covered more than a couple uh, Braves-Mets games uh, this year. So let's run through the team's little power rankings here with the Braves. Great season with the Braves, but do you see them going deep into playoffs against these veteran teams? You know, if Colorado gets in, they're red hot. You got the Dodgers who have been there and done that. Um, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs are the Cubs. How do you think the Braves match up? And do you, do you see the Braves like competing in the first round? Or do you think they get bounced? Yeah, I saw the Braves earlier this week. I was at City Field and. You know, look, it's a nice story. They're very encouraged around there. And I think the Braves are just one of the franchises that people just don't mention is like one of the best in sports because they've only won World won World Series in the 90s. But that team always finds a way to be in contention. You know, I know some of their scouts, you know, it's very solid front office. Just a good vibe around the team, not just in the clubhouse, but the entire organization. Everybody loves to be associated with the Braves. You know, look what they've put together so quickly. These kids, you know, out. Albies and Acuna, you know, they 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 just been terrific. And Freddie Freeman is is a throwback to the, the the you know to the past days of Chipper Jones and and Tim Hudson. He came up in that clubhouse as a young guy, and now he's the anchor of that clubhouse. And you know, he's the same type of leader that those guys were. But I think this team is a little bit young, you know. But but they could shock people because Albies and Acuna, you know, it seems like they're nonplussed, you know, by by the the, the bright lights of the show. Oh, you but got the, the pitching, Cubs. The pitching was, you know, Sean Newcomb pitched really good for a while, and then you know he started to fall apart down the stretch. Mike Fultonevich was really good for a stretch, but he's had his bumps too. I just don't know if they have the pitching to withstand a, a deep run. So the Cubs and the Brewers in the Central. Um, you know what? What do you make of the Cubs? They seem to be on again, off again. This baseball team. The way I look at them, I you know I. To me, they're like a, uh, they're very dangerous. Sort of like, you know, you don't want to break into a zoo and, you know, and, you know, they say, don't feed the bears. I don't want to feed the bears here. Like the Cubs, I know people aren't fearing them in the same way that they have in past years, but to me, I wouldn't want to have to play them in a playoff series just because of the manager and the talent that they have. Yeah, it's almost like they turn it on when they have to, sort of. And for me, it always comes down to pitching, too. And the acquisition of Cole Hamels was just horrific. He he has been mostly dominant since he came over to to Chicago. You know, and then they got veteran guys in the mix. Well, Milwaukee has guys, like, that have overachieved, you know, like, like, you know, Wade Miley and uh, Yoli Chassin. You know, I don't think they have the pitching to last – you know, I, I I would definitely be going the Cubs over the Brewers for sure. So in the West, it's interesting. The Dodgers put themselves in a precarious situation. The wild card's not in play. They're going to need to get a division. Wouldn't shock me if they ended up having to play a, a play-in game here between the two. Yet you mentioned it's got Colorado. These guys just don't lose. I mean, they're picking the best time. The Dodgers have been pretty hot down the stretch, but, you know, they stumbled this week a little bit. Now they find themselves a game back. They're playing against their rivals in the uh, San Francisco um, Giants, and uh, it's in San Francisco. And I've seen this movie before, Scott, in which you know the Giants are like nothing better than to take the Dodgers down with them, uh, being rivals. Meanwhile, yeah. Colorado is playing a faceless Washington national team that their last home game was basically rained out, and Harper's gone, and I don't know. Washington really don't seem to care very much here. Seems to be pretty big advantage Colorado, doesn't it, as far as the Dodgers and the Rockies getting in? 
Yeah, at the end of it, you're in Washington. Can you believe all that talent and they never nothing won a to show for series? Nothing all to show talent. for. The the biggest the biggest set of underachievers I've seen in re- in recent history. But what can you do, so, Scott? They went through so, and I'm a Dusty Baker guy, and it's it's always Dusty Baker's fault everywhere he goes all the time. How Cincinnati do after they fired him? You know what I mean? We we'll go down the list. I know San Francisco won, but and hell, he got to the World Series there. But they've they've tried everything there. Like what, in your opinion, what's the, the deal with the Nationals? I think the players need to look at each other. As, and, and Bryce Harper, I wouldn't pay him. I mean, the guy's not a leader. We, we've seen this. You can't win with him. They've given that they've had these opportunities. I, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Because really, how many managers have they gone through? Matt Williams, Dusty Baker, Davey Johnson. I can't even keep up. How many managers have they had? Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, about Bryce Harper. It's like, you know, I'm, I stand on an island with this because I realize what the voting for MVP is. It's the guy with the best stats. But to me, MVP is most valuable player. And they've never had any other guy on this team except for Max Scherzer that knows how to be clutch. Daniel Murphy didn't even do it with Washington. You know, down in the stretch in 2015 against the Mets, the year Bryce Harper won the MVP, he was like striking out in every clutch situation against the Mets. I'm like, how the hell is this guy an MVP? Now, the American League, the American League, I talk about that gauntlet. You got the Boston Red Sox yet. I'm not ready to anoint the Sox. We know about David Price's postseason struggles um, in in the playoffs, although I think that might be a little bit over-magnified or over-exaggerated. Chris Sale seems to get tired, uh, Scott. Fatigue seems to kick in with Sale. He doesn't seem to be at his best in September's and in October's. Other than that, is their pitching good enough? Their, their, their lineup's just so damn good, though. I mean, in past years, they've underachieved and gotten swept by the Indians and stuff. I respect the Red Sox, but for betting purposes, they're only like th- plus 300. You know, I, I know they're the team to beat, but I think that's just sort of a toss-up. And I've got the Yankees almost rated my lowest uh, out of the power rankings in the American League, to be honest. But I don't think it's, a, it's any sure-shot conclusion the Red Sox win, do you? I don't think so. It really depends on how some of these guys, like, you know, what Eduardo Rodriguez are you really going to see in the playoffs? You know, the guy's got good stuff, but we've never seen the consistency. Uh, you know, th- then the other thing is, you know, you got guys like Eovaldi. You never know. You know the, the Cleveland might have better pitching. I think I think Mike Clevenger is like one of the most underrated starters in the American League. I can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. All right, something weird just happened here in which uh, our internet just, like, popped into some weird, like, signing like I'm a hotel guest or something, Scott. Oh, you must be got on the Renaissance guest, uh, Renaissance guest uh, wireless there. Yeah, that's what I wanted for the ho- to do. For the, for the hotel. Yeah, what do I want to be in? Not the roof deck. I think you want to be on Renaissance guest. Yeah, that's the one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For the, for the listeners, you know, Studio 34 is inside of a hotel. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Marriott Renaissance, uh, 218 West 35th Street. So, you know, and uh, where the studio is, you know, it, it, uh, will we get our own FNTSY internet or will we get the Renaissance internet? But I, yeah, I found the downstairs. Renaissance guest internet to be more reliable. Yeah, you know what? And it's crazy. I don't know what happened. We just got knocked off. Like, basically said, you know, you need to go back onto their network and blah, blah, blah. And it must just be their little bit of a, an issue. But... The one good thing about being prepared, Scott, we don't need a computer. 
No. Well, uh, you know, I, I guess it depends on what we're talking about. If uh, if you know, we're going to do all Rus fo- football, you know, I got to do a little bit of research. Yeah, I know. I know. It's going to be yeah. tough to look at the pricing on DraftKings and FanDuel too on a computer. Yeah. But hey, everything else we know. I'm assuming this will just be a couple of minutes. I don't know if anybody um, downstairs. I always get confused with downstairs and upstairs. Can uh, talk to somebody about this, so we can figure something out here because it is somewhat of a problem. And that uh, seems to be real as well. I think their system just crashed or something. But yeah, uh, that's what you always got your, your your smartphone for, though. You can always get on the internet on your smartphone when you can on your computer. Yeah, yeah. My smartphone's not so smart, though, Scott. <laughs> my, my smartphone's not so smart. So, so yeah, the Boston. That's what I say. So the Boston Red Sox, they're the favorites yet. These five-game series, Scott, I don't know. Are you a fan of them, or do you think after all this, you play under 62 games, shouldn't you just play a damn seven games? But from a fan perspective, five games is cool because every game's so important. And I've always felt, and I think this is why we see a lot of wild-card teams and underdogs make it to the World Series, and favorites don't always get there and rarely do, actually. The team that wins the most games in baseball rarely wins the World Series. One thing I'm looking at there is... You know, how how does this uh, play out in a five-game series? If you're a road team, let's say Oakland beats the Yankees, and then they go into Boston, and they, they split, and then they go back to Oakland, they win the next two, they win the series. I, I find it, it really puts that team, that home team, behind the eight ball if they lose that first game. And we see it happen all the time. Yeah, we do. But, you know, to me, it's like, I guess I'm a traditionalist, and I'm a purist. To me, pitching travels. You know, the you know the mound, I guess, it maybe except for Dodger Stadium, is, you know, it's, it's always 60 feet, 6 inches, although it seems like the mound at Dodger Stadium has a little bit of a higher elevation. So you're saying that uh, Kershaw's, uh, he's like the flake gate? It's like he's cheating? <laughs> no. It's just, uh, I, I, re- I remember when... Uh, they want to lower the Dwight, mound, Scott, Dwight because Good the batting pitch, average is so low. Said, he used to talk about how he just loved the mound at Dodger Stadium, you know, like, you know, just like yeah. a different incline. They like the like. dirt. Yeah. Um, and the incline, as you stated, you know, they want to lower the mound once again. They lowered it, I guess, in, what, 73? Or going into the DH era when they were panicking when the average was down. And I don't know, man, just because you have a year in which batting averages are down, I, I, I don't think you change the dynamics and the dimensions of the field, in my own personal opinion. Yeah, it's... Uh... I've heard some wacky things like eventually, like we're going to have robotic umpires, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if that's such a bad they're idea. They're always evolving the game. You know, now we have instant replay, you know, which is which is interesting as well. Well, look, but if we can have driverless me, I've been cars. I've for years and the game is like slower than ever, I think. If we can have driverless cars and say we trust our lives with that, you know, people say, oh, you, you can't trust driverless cars like all of our money, all of our systems, airplanes are all computerized. Every, every, you know, we're trusting computers already, anyways. I mean, you look at tennis; they have the best instant replay, don't they? With that cool line, and you see the ball right away. Yeah, I don't watch much tennis. I'll take your word for it. But breaking <laughs> news: I've been told to tell you to sign into Anthem SG hyphen five G. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's funny because yeah, I know these guys just told me in uh, in my ear here. To uh, check the uh, the messenger, but I can't check the messenger if I don't have internet. Thank you very much, sir. Somebody just brought me. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, that stupid password. Yeah. Well, you know, this just this is showing the listeners, you know, that uh, you know that we, you know we, we we have to go through certain steps to 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 bring this great info to you. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not it's not yeah. always a cakewalk here. No. <laughs> 
It's not all just, you know. Now, now somebody's going to be uh, in the restaurant outside the studio and they'll know how to get on our internet. <laughs> yeah, but they won't have the password. Yeah. And I know the password and it's, it's an annoying one. All right, so it's a it's an annoying one, and it worked already. Here we go. You know, we had a nice video stream going. It's two days in a row. Two days in a row, our um, our video stream gets knocked off due to extenuating circumstances. Well, maybe so, they heard I was on the show, and you know, we got we got knocked. You off. broke the internet. No, it's yeah. not knocked off. So many people logged in, and it, it crashed exactly. No, I guess you know they wouldn't want to see my face. You know, they just want to hear me. <laughs> I got a face for radio, I guess. So if you don't, we both. If you, um, if you, um, if you, if you're picking the World Series right now, I'm not going to hold you to it either because we you know we don't even know the, yeah. the circumstances yet. With the you know, it's going to be the A's or et cetera. But what's your gut instinct telling you as far as the World Series is concerned right now? My my gut instinct is is telling me it's going to be the Red Sox, and I just think the Cubs are going to turn it on. You know, if Kyle Hendricks and Cole Hamels could have a good postseason, I think that'll make a really good difference. You know, H- Hendricks has been disappointing this year, but you know he's shown they got the playoff experience, and he could just he could just shut guys down and do it, not do it with dominant stuff either. Yeah, I'm torn. I, you know, as a betting man, I'd like to get wild here and say Milwaukee plays Oakland. Milwaukee plays Oakland. That's no, I'd like to see that because the PR guy from Milwaukee is like a really good friend of mine, and I'd love to see him get a ring. Uh, but you know, I, I That'd guess be like I guess, worst I guess that's I guess it's a look at I guess it's like you, you know we say in the DFS world. I guess I guess it's your contrarian pick. If I want to go contrarian, then I'm going to go Colorado Cleveland. Colorado Cleveland, and I think yeah. that, I think that's very uh, potential as yeah. well. Actually, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And the thing is. In the NFL, going contrarian is going to cost you money in the playoffs, right? I mean, we see the one seeds generally get to the Super Bowl. Baseball's different. I think you really I don't think there is a contrarian. I think people overrate and another thing is it's not like home field means anything really. I and mean, maybe it does in game sevens, but until then it really doesn't. So I think I think this wide open in baseball. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Ian Cameron, aka Bob Bano, will uh will join us coming up next. Game time decisions continues. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions. Game Time Decisions, Red Heat and Rage Radio. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Gabriel Morenci. Cam Stewart off. The King, Scott Engel, is in. We just talked some baseball uh, with the King. We're going to talk some football now with Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, who uh, you can find over at rightwager.com starting October the 1st, although rightwager.com is open right now. But uh, Babano uh, will be um, bringing his winning selections to uh, Right Wager. I figured I'd say that because Babano's uh, very, very humble 
and uh, hasn't promoted himself at all uh, leading into the big move over to Ray Wager. And, of course, I say that with a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of um, sarcasm as we thought LeBron James' decision video was over the top. But uh, nothing that, uh, you know, Babano, uh, Babano's top the king. I'm not talking about Scott Engel, but the king LeBron James on this. But as Babano stated, if he doesn't promote it, who will? <laughs> so Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, joins us. What's up, Babano? Exactly right, Gabe. I got to look out for me. I have a one-man band operation here. Yeah, yeah you're, like, uh, you're like Ray Bulger. Ray Bulger looks out for Ray Bulger. Babano looks out for Babano. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Say hi to uh, Scott Engel. Yes, king. the king of fantasy. Exactly, Scott. Good to be with you. Oh, thanks, man. It's uh, a pleasure having you on. Looking forward to talking some, some week four here after a, uh, a crazy beginning to the week. You know, it's uh, I didn't think we'd hit the over like that. Yeah, crazy game last night, uh, Babano. Um, you know, we, we jumped on the over at the last second. We're like, how does this game not go over? Uh, yeah, I didn't think it would be the track meet that it that it turned into, but this this Rams team, you know, their their offense is just awesome. Um, so I said earlier, Babano, I think that this week is the trickiest week yet. Yet it doesn't mean that we can't win. I'm just looking at it right now, and I'm having a hard time coming up with five games that I really really like uh, for the Super Contest. Yeah, it's an interesting week. I mean, there's a lot of injuries already building up uh, with a lot of these teams. Uh, look no further than the Atlanta Falcons on the defensive side of the football. I mean, that stuck out to me very early in the week, just seeing how much attrition that unit's already dealing with. I mean, they already had Deion Jones and Keanu Neal out of there due to injury. Now you lose an integral safety and in Ricardo Allen last week. Uh, Tack McKinley, one of your pass rushers on that defense. Uh, may not suit up here. So I've got real concerns about uh, Atlanta being able to put out any sort of competent or competitive defense this week. I mean, we saw what the Saints and Drew Brees did uh, against that group last week. Now, I know Andy Dalton and the Bengals' offense, are they quite as potent? Perhaps not. But it's going to help them that A.J. Green's going to play uh, in this football game for the Bengals. And I think they're going to be able to take their shots and make some plays. I just think Atlanta's just way too bloodied and banged up and bruised on the defensive side of the football to uh, get many stops in this game. I know, Scott, he can talk about it from a fantasy angle, but you got to look to some Bengals players, I think, in your uh, DFS lineups this week, don't you? I mean, Atlanta's defense just looks like a complete mash unit right now. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, when you look at this game, it's – uh that, you know, I think the over-under here at 51 and a half, uh, actually now it's up to 54. You know, when I looked at it earlier in the week, it was up to 51 and a half. And both from a betting perspective, I want to take the over. Uh, I'll take Atlanta at home, like, you know, with the three and a half. But, you know, from a fantasy perspective with DFS, you want to be running stacks in this game. And uh, to me, football is a game of emotion. I haven't talked to NFL players before. I think the revenge game is a real thing. So I'm looking for Mohamed Sanu to find the end zone, uh, you know, against the Bengals. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's that. He's definitely a guy that you got to look at if you're Andy Dalton in this game. Target him. You know, obviously Green. Uh, whatever defenders are left standing for Atlanta uh, going into this game, they're going to focus their attention here uh, on AJ Green. But there's no doubt about it. I could only look from an over perspective. And I know Gabe's been a component of mentioning to people in the past. You can tie fantasy sports analysis into prop wagers. Uh, and certainly from a prop standpoint, you look at receiving yards, you look at passing yards for Andy Dalton in a game like this over the total. I think that's ways you could capitalize on it in this game. 
You know yeah, what my concern you know, is, though, One guys. thing, I'm sorry, Gabe, is that Atlanta has been getting absolutely eaten up by pass receiving back, so you got to love Gio ben- Giovanni Bernard. You know, whatever, if there's any props for his, like, his receptions, you know, I'll take the over. We lose the value, though, because we were getting five and a half, even six earlier in the week in some spots, all the way down to three and a half. And any time that the entire world is jumping on a game, it concerns me, Scott and uh, and Ian Babano. <laughs> what do you think, yeah, Babano? I mean, are, are you concerned about losing the value from earlier in the week? Oh, my value is there. <laughs> my value is there because I got five and a half early in the week. But now, yeah, if you're but, if you're late to the party right that's now, that's all good, Babano. Uh, but people aren't in time machines right now <laughs> listening. Like, right, oh, right I'm cool. I already took right. it. So yeah. So what are we what are we talking about this game for then? Like, so you still <laughs> like it at three and a half? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, three and a half is still okay. Uh, again, if as long as you avoid the three, uh, if it gets down to three, I think you've lost your value because you, I could see Atlanta winning by three because their offense is still good and that they're still going to be able to put up points. We saw Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Actually, the last two weeks, I mean, red zone offense has been a problem. I think Sarkeesian, to me, has been a problem since he's been here. But the red zone offense has been better the last couple of weeks for the Falcons. They're starting to finish off drives, and that offense is still scary. So, you know, I think... That's why if you don't get Cincinnati now at three and a half, this is your last chance to get it. If it gets down to three, I wouldn't like it anymore. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's pass defense is ranked like 26th and Atlanta's 27th, you know, so this is the track meet. But the reason why I would take Atlanta, you know, if I'm looking at the, you know, the minus three and a half, is it's going to come down to the quarterback, you know, and I have a lot more confidence in Matt Ryan. Andy Dalton is what we've seen the last few weeks, four four touchdowns in one game and then four interceptions in another game. You know, with the game on the line, I want the ball in Matt Ryan's hands, and that's why I would leave in Atlanta. Babano, what other games uh, catch your eye this week? Uh, well, definitely I'm going to – maybe this is going to be a Jekyll and Hyde kind of season for Blake Bortles. Uh, he's a guy that obviously played phenomenally well against New England uh, in that AFC Championship rematch a couple of weeks ago. But then he went back to the old Blake Bortles last week that lost to Tennessee. Uh, and I worry about him in this price range now where you're going to have to ask Jacksonville to lay seven and a half. There's definitely concerns on the Jets side in terms of a rookie quarterback facing an elite level defense uh, of what the Jacksonville Jaguars can bring to the table. Uh, but for the first time, perhaps all season, the Jets have a, a better, a much better scheduling and situational spot here. I mean, you think about it. They played Monday night in Detroit week one, played on a short week back home against Miami. Then I had to go to Cleveland Thursday night to play on a short week again on the road. And then Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. Baker Mayfield comes in for the first time in his NFL career, and the Jets are sort of taken aback by that. They didn't really prepare to face Baker Mayfield, and sure enough, Mayfield leads the Browns to a comeback win You know, in a game that when Taylor was in there, the Jets were in firm control of that football game. So you have to keep that in mind. Finally, now the Jets get a beneficial uh, scheduling spot off since last Thursday, a few extra days, and I just don't know if Jacksonville's offense against, I think the Jets' defense has played okay at times uh, so far this season is a team I'm ready to trust covering this kind of number, even though I do have my concerns with Darnold on, against that defense going into this game. So I'm going to make a case here for the Jets as long as you can get them above seven at seven and a half right now. The Jets defense, I got to just leave the stupid mic on. I coughed a couple of times, and now I'm like, oh, I'm off, I'm on, I'm off, I'm on. I'm just leaving it on. I'm coughing <laughs> on the air next time, guys. <laughs> but the Jets defense, I think the Jets, the Jets defense can hang in this game as well. Blake Bortles showed some bad tendencies uh, last week, and 
Bortles has been aggressive and he's played well in some big games. Yet I think these teams are relatively evenly matched. And we can talk about Darnold being a concern. Yet isn't Blake Bortles a concern? Where, where What's your opinion on Blake Bortles, Scott? Where are you at with this guy now? Oh, he's Mr. Erratic. You know, he's... He, he's so up and down. I mean, look how he plays against New England, and he lays a dud the following week. I mean, he makes Andy Dalton look consistent. So, you know, I'm going with the under in this game at 38-and-a-half, and I think you have to take, take the Jets plus 7-and-a-half because I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scoring in this game. And, you know, just let Babano know to be careful if he's going to talk about Taylor. He wants to be called Tyrod, not Tyrod. Yeah, I, I, that took me for a back, Scott, when I heard that. Like, now he's what called are we a backup. With some of these names, exactly. <laughs> now he's called backup Taylor, exactly. <laughs> backup Taylor. It's a good Taylor. point. <laughs> Sit your Tarot exactly. on the bench. And I'm, I'm a Tarot fan, uh, but hey, it just is what it is. At least you got your money from Cleveland. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, not Ian Cameron anymore. I'm going to follow my friend Ian Eagle. I'm going to be Ian Cameron now from now on. Yeah. Nice. Uh, maybe I'll nice. just do that. You know what's interesting? <laughs> One game to me, though, I wanted to get your take on, though. It's like I really like Dallas, you, you know, this week. My, you know, favored by three at home, you know, bouncing back. You know, even though they don't have a good, a good they have the worst receiving crew in, in all of football. But the line, the Lions also have the best pass defense in all of football. But it's kind of skewed because they have the worst run defense. And Ezekiel Elliott against that Lions rush defense, which is worse than the NFL. I feel like Dallas bounces back at home here. I like the under in this one, guys. You know, yeah. you look, you look. I you mentioned uh, Dallas at home. Dallas are ball control, Scott. They've always, even when Tony Romo was there, they still milked the play clock. They yep. still ran the ball a lot. That's just Garrett's thing. It's the one thing I think Garrett does well is sort of manage the clock and a pace of a game. If he can get a ground game going, he really suffocates the clock. The one thing, but I'm not a Garrett fan at all or Linehan fan at all. What is he, won what, two more playoff games than Marvin Lewis? Yeah, I know. Dude, he's he's Jerry Jones' butler, essentially. That's how he's there. Let's just be real. But how about on Johnson and what he brought to the table? Finally, they have a 100-yard rusher. I think Matt Patricia, who I'm also not a big fan of, but Matt Patricia wants to run the ball more. He doesn't want to be in these track meet shootout games that the Lions have been in over the years. And I think both teams just sort of run the ball. The Lions aren't this explosive offense like they used to be. And and the Cowboys want to run the ball. I think the game goes under Babano. What's your take on the game? It's true. Uh, this is amazing, but this is a fascinating game to watch because it's a t- it's a tough one for me. I'd lean Dallas two minus three. I think it's a good spot for them. They're off the tough loss in Seattle. Now they're back home. They need this victory in a, in a big, big way. Golden Tate's now all of a sudden questionable for this game for Detroit. So something you're going to want to m- make note of there. It's really something. It's strength versus strength when you look at Detroit offensively. That's their strength and against Dallas. What's their strength defensively? I think the Dallas defense deserves a better fate. I yeah, think this Dallas. Jim- but I'm sorry, Dallas is going to be without Sean Lee. That's a big difference. That defense plays totally different when they don't have Sean Lee. No doubt, they that really can't do. be denied. They can't be. That can't be the denied. One loss record is insane with or without yep. Sean Lee. It's unbelievable. No, it can't be denied. I mean, and and Sean Lee on the field and off the field. We saw it last year. We saw it two years ago. Every time he was injured, didn't look like that same Why Dallas Cowboys defense. When's he not injured, this guy? Let's be real. Like, it seems like every two weeks we're talking about Sean Lee and the, their record. I think they're like 3-14 and 14 without him. I'm like, they don't win when this guy's not on the field. To me, this is just such a tough game. I know, yep. you, you know, you can't really call it a short week, but it kind of is playing the Sunday nighter, especially the emotional game. You know, Matt Patricia really wanted that one against Belichick. 
you know, maybe the Lions get going. My lean is to the Lions, but I, I prefer the under in this game. But for for a side, I mean, Scott, you say you really like Dallas here. I, I To me, I looked at this game all week, and I was sort of in pass mode, to be honest with you. I, I like Dallas, you know, for a lot of reasons. I mentioned the rush defense, but also Dallas has big corners, you know, that can, you know, that can play well against Kenny Galladay and uh, Marvin Jones. I just, I don't see a lot matchup wise. You know, without Sean Lee, they should be able to run the ball. You know, like, like you said, the style of this team has changed. GM Bob Quinn said he wanted to make this team more physical, but I don't know if they, they I seem like they like to have a committee there with a little bit of blunt, you know, some of Kerryon Johnson and some of Theo Riddick. This doesn't strike me as a high-scoring game. Dallas is almost like a basketball team. It's like it's they like, it's like Ezekiel Elliott plays point yep. guard, and they try to slow everything down and play half court. They're Princeton. Virginia Cavaliers basketball of the NFL. It's really what it is. It's Tony Bennett in the NFL right now. We're going now. older school than that. Yep. The original Pete Carroll, Princeton. And where the hell did Garrett go to school? He's an Ivy Leaguer, isn't he? Like, where, where, wasn't he? Did he go to Princeton? I'm not sure. I'm getting silent, so no one, no one knows for sure. Let me I'm not 100% sure. I think he might have went to Princeton, this guy. <laughs> You'd think he'd be smarter than he looks then. <laughs> Jason Garrett. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Columbia. Uh, you know, like yes. I was saying with... Princeton. It's like there, there are there are two franchises I believe that are just has been and overrated to me. That's Dallas it hasn't been good since 1996, and Oakland has had like one good year since like two, 2002 or something like that. I don't understand how Jason Garrett still has a job, and I don't. And I got to and I got to make Marvin one Lewis last a job. Yeah, and I got to make one last point about Garrett because it's bothered me, and it's getting even worse this year with his team struggling. I, as a fan of your team, I don't need to see you on the sideline clapping like crazy, trying to rev your team on when you're down by 14 points and getting your teeth kicked in. I'm sorry. I've had enough of watching that cheerleader and clap, clap, clap. That's okay, guys. Keep going. Keep going. We're still doing all right record, down by 14 points. For enough. The, for the record, yeah, I want to re- reiterate. Claps, 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 you know? I want to reiterate how good I am. Jason Garrett did go and was the quarterback of uh, Princeton, so – he clearly stole this idea of milking the clock from from the basketball program. But, you know, Garrett actually is a pretty smart guy. I mean, the guy went to Princeton and then transferred to Columbia. He played at Columbia and Princeton. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but how smart is anybody on this team when Tavon Austin is their best wide receiver? Hey, listen, Garrett, Garrett's not the one signing them. That's Stevie Boy. That's the best is today. We'll get to this with Scott later, actually. Yeah. The best is today. Corey, Corey's going off calling Goff a bus driver, and he's just a system quarterback, and he sucks. Yet, Dak Prescott can't throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field. You yeah, want to talk about system quarterback? Corey thinks Tony Romo's going to the Hall of Fame. The only way that guy's going to the Hall of Fame is if he buys a ticket just like me. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's uh, Tony. Tony Romo's not a Hall of Famer. I, I don't. I and then don't I got, and then I got to read quotes earlier today online, hearing Jerry Jones say, "I see a lot of similarities between our offense and the Rams' offense." What do you play in the NFC? That's no, the only similarity I see. A few years, a few seasons ago. Wow, that's a good one. Well, if you want to be compared to that, yeah. yeah. If you want to be compared to Jeff Fisher's offense, have fun with that. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they're right. They're just like the Rams offense when Jeff Fisher was there and Goff, Goff was a rookie. We'll take a quick break. We'll hit some more NFL on the other side with Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, rightwager.com. You can find his videos over at sportsbookreview.com. 
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Game Time Decisions, Red Heat Rage Radio, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Cam Stewart off. The King, Scott Engel, is in. Ian Cameron, A.K. Babano with us. Ricky Sanders will join us in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll talk some NFL DFS with one of the best DFS players uh, in the business. And Ricky Sanders, DailyRoto.com. And, of course, if you want to win money, you better sign up to DailyRoto.com. Why wouldn't you? They produce 7 uh, millionaire makers, uh, countless other uh, winners, uh, literally millions of dollars, in, uh, in other winners. Head on over to DailyRoto.com. It's the industry's leading daily fantasy sites. Produce seven separate FanDuel and DraftKings multi-dollar, million-dollar tournament winners. Millions more and smaller prizes for countless others of subscribers. Once there, check out the Go Premium uh, page. You can use the same daily uh, fantasy line optimizers to help Daily Roto customers achieve their remarkable successes. And if it's sports wagering you're into, check out the uh, new sports betting um, betting machine and betting tabs. Um, they got money line picks, ATS, uh, game totals, and player props. The player prop page is just off the hook. Uh, way cool. Go to dailyroto.com, enter uh, promo code FNTSY for a special discount. Dailyroto.com, the industry website where millionaires are made. Literally. All right. Uh, so let's try to uh, get a step closer to that million dollars, uh, Babano. As I mentioned, I think it's a very, very tricky, tricky um, card this week. That Jets-Jags game, you know, you can make a lot of arguments for the Jets, and there's a lot of negatives uh, for them. Let's talk about the Patriots. The negative is they're just not that very good right now. They don't, they, they can't get any pass rush going, so other quarterbacks are able to just drop back and do whatever the hell they want. Their wide receivers don't get open. Remember one of those covered sacks in which Brady actually eluded the defenders for a good five, seven seconds, it seemed. Not one single Patriot wide receiver can get open. Gronkowski's not as quick as he used to be. He's lumbering, and they're double-teaming him. Nobody really is scaring anybody. And maybe down the road, they're going to be a better team with Edelman and with Gordon out there. And I mean, their offense is going to be better, but I don't know if down the road is this Sunday. Yet, this just game just, you know, has Pat's blowout written all over it. But, Bano, what, what do you make of this one? I, I don't want to lay it with New England. I know that. I lean Miami, but... Every time I take Miami and New England over the years, and I've done this before, and it hasn't worked out. I mean, this has not been a place where the Dolphins have thrived. And you can say what you want about Miami being off to a good 3-0 and start, and they've looked good. They've also had some beneficial uh, teams and opponents, and the schedule's been nice to them so far. Tennessee at home, Jets on a short week for the Jets. Uh, Oakland at home, who have got some turmoil going right now. Uh, this is where you're going to find out a lot more about the Dolphins. But you're right, the Patriots have issues. Their defense has not been great. Their offense is 
last week against Detroit, where you would think they can move the ball, they weren't able to. Uh, so I've got concerns about them going into this game. Again, Philip Dorsett, you're going to hang your hat on him as a big-time receiver. I can't do that. Hogan's been covered tightly now a lot more. Uh, they've missed Edelman badly. Rob Gronkowski was double-teamed last week against Detroit. So we'll see if New England can get their offense going. I still think they could, though, because Miami's got cluster injuries on the defensive line. William Hayes out for the season. A big injury loss on that defensive end spot from last week. Got injured on a sack on Derek Carr. So maybe this is the week New England gets it going. I lean over the total, but it's lukewarm. What do you think of the game, Scott? Well, you you look at Miami so far and you can say, okay, they have had an easy schedule, but if you want to be a good team, you beat who you're supposed to beat when they're put in front of you. And they've been doing it a lot with big plays, you know, which is unusual for a Ryan Tannehill sort of team. On the other side, you know, great points about, you know, the receivers not getting open. You know, people always look and say, oh, the quarterback carries an offense, the average fans will say. No quarterback, if he doesn't have playmakers, football is a team game. But, you know, you look at Miami. Yeah, look at your guy Russell Wilson. We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, look at the 30th in passing yards allowed, even though they only allowed two touchdown passes. New England's given up six touchdown passes. And in divisional games, I don't think you could look at these two teams on paper and say, okay, I smell a New England blowout. But, you know, divisional games tend to be closer than than we often think. And and sometimes lower scoring. I don't see it here. So, you know, I'm going to take Miami plus seven here. Uh, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes over the 48. But you, you have to think the New England rebounds because I don't believe in Miami, even though they've earned it three. You know, they, New England can win their next five, and Miami could lose their next five. This game, I know it sounds dramatic, but it really is for the division. Because as you stated, like you could solely see Miami imploding, and next thing you know, they're they're four and three, and next thing you know, oh, they're five and yeah. six, and then it's just another We've seen year. The Patriots start slow before, yeah, but four and zero, oh, Scott, four and zero, oh, and Pats at one and three, and the other teams being the Jets and the Bills, the Dolphins all but win this damn division if they can get to four and zero. Oh. Well, uh, you know, it, it's still early. Anything could happen. I remember in 1986, the New York Jets won their first 10, and then they lost Then they lost their next <laughs> six. So you, you never can tell what can happen. And I certainly don't want to – I lived in South Florida for eight years, and those fans are really obnoxious. I don't want to hear it's 1972 all over again. The Dolphins are better than we expected, but you can't believe in New England is this bad. But I, I think it's going to be a very competitive game here. And, uh, you know, Kenny Stills is going to be a problem for this New England secondary. What do you make uh, Babano of the other New York uh, team, the New York football Giants taking on the New Orleans Saints? It just won't get off that hook. It's sitting at three and a half. It's been sitting there all week. The total is climbing, though. It's up to 52 uh, right now. And I'm you know, i generally thinking, I mean, this Giant offense just isn't all that explosive. I mean, people say, oh, look at last week. They got it going a little bit, but... I know the Saints have been in a few higher scoring games, but the Saints defense was supposed to be good coming into this year. It hasn't been, but maybe they're going to start making some plays. They showed some signs last week. What do you make of this one, Babano? The New Orleans Saints, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Meadowlands against the Giants. This is a really, really, really tough game for me. Tough to get a real handle on this side or total. I know the total going up. 
That might be a little reaction to Olivier Vernon and Eli Apple being ruled out of this game for the New York Giants. That's just been uh, made news earlier today. They're not going to suit up in this game. And any time you lose pieces on your defense uh, against an offense like the New Orleans Saints, that's going to maybe be some trouble for you. Uh, but on the flip side, you're right. The Saints defense, which I expected to be good, uh, I like the people, the personnel up front. I thought Marshawn Lattimore was going to be tremendous in that secondary, and all of those people have really underachieved to this point uh, for the Saints. I mean, they got shredded by Atlanta, shredded by Tampa Bay. You know, Cleveland, they did better, but Cleveland botched a lot of opportunities to put up points in that game. So uh, the Saints really haven't played a good defensive game yet so far this season, but this total just does look a notch high with the New York Giants uh, involved in the game at 51.5. Kind of leaning New Orleans now that it's down to three, but... We saw Minnesota and Green Bay, or Minnesota, yeah, both of them, Minnesota and Green Bay last week. They played an overtime game two weeks ago. Last week, both of them off an overtime game. They looked drained physically. They looked drained mentally. I'm worried that could be the case for New Orleans here going on the road against the Giants after that intense game that went to OT at Atlanta last week. Scott, any game that you want to fire off over at Babano before we get to some college? Yeah, real, real quick, I was going to comment on the Giants, but... Seattle uh, is favored by three and a half in Arizona, and the Seahawks have actually led the NFL so far in seven interceptions and playing against a rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, they're one of my favorite picks of the week. How are you feeling about this? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it can't get any worse, Scott, for Arizona offensively with Josh Rosen in there. But what's he going to be able to do in this game, his very first start, uh, going to be the question. I mean, what a peculiar time for Steve Wilkes to bring him in the game. I mean, make him the starter and give him the opportunity to practice right from the get-go instead of throwing him in in a game-winning situation late in the fourth quarter last week against Chicago. I never understood that. But finally, Steve Wilkes is doing what Cleveland's doing, what Buffalo's doing. It's time to move your franchise forward, get the future, of the potential future at least, at the quarterback spot in there. Uh, and they're going to do that now with Josh Rosen in this game. Uh, very interesting to see. I'm staying away from the side because Seattle's defense has been Jekyll and Hyde. I know that they're not that same defense, but can they control Josh Rosen here in this game? This game, this game could actually go over the total by accident. I mean, we're talking 39. It's not like Arizona's defense has been that good so far. Russ Wilson should be able to make some plays. Can Rosen do enough? I mean, you get 21-20, you cash an over in this game. That's a real low number. I'm trying to make a case to see it go over that 39. Yeah, I think well, the, the one Seahawks thing will themselves defense, the victory. Sorry, sorry, Gabe. One thing with the Seattle defense, though, is, uh, you know, Earl Thomas is playing, playing like – so well, and uh, you know, with, with three interceptions, and they could have KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner this week for like the first time this season, and Which they played really well last week. So, uh, and then you look at the fact that Larry Fitzgerald is not a hundred percent; it's a rookie quarterback. Uh, David Johnson could have a bounce back game here this year, but you know, this Seattle defense, especially at safety, not just with Thomas, but Bradley McDougald is playing really good. So, uh, you know, not only. Do I like them from a betting perspective? But I think they're like a top streaming defense for DFS and, and seasonal. Interesting. Interesting. I like the Seahawks here as well. And um, is it still still th- sitting at three here right now? So it hasn't moved. It's at minus 125 to the three. But you know, I think Seattle coming off that win right now, they, they can will themselves to victory. I'd rather have Russell Wilson um, than Josh Rosen at this stage. I'd rather have Pete Carroll than Stevie Wilkes at this stage. We can go down the list. You mentioned David Johnson, too, and you're going to be hard-pressed to find a guy that was a bigger fan of David Johnson than I was from a fantasy perspective and 
what he meant to the football team. Last year they fell apart. He got hurt in week one. But it's baffling. They just can't find a way to get him the football. And, you know, you need to get him in open space a little bit. But they, they, they haven't been able to do it at all, Scott. They just can't figure it out. They can't figure out how to get this guy to football somehow. And they're always uh, trailing, so they can't the just hand it week. off to him. That's the key this week. This is the lowest-ranked offense in the NFL. That is the key this week. I know they have Wagner and Wright back on the other side. But you got to take pressure off the rookie quarterback. you got to get your bell cow going this week. And, you know, the way that, that uh, Dallas was able to run the ball last week in Denver was the first week against Seattle, I think, does give some encouragement to Arizona. And this, this is a divisional game, too, so I, I think, you know, you, you're, you're, prob- you're probably hitting the under here. But, you know, ultimately, like you say about Russell Wilson, this, this, this Arizona pass defense has given up a lot of big plays. And if they get Doug Baldwin back this week, you know, that just opened things up for the rest of the offense. You know, and we'll talk about it with Ricky Sanders. I think a nifty DFS play for a revenge game is Jerron Brown going against that secondary. I think Russell Wilson's going to be able to hit a few big plays this week. All right, Babano. So before we get you out of here, uh, we got about four minutes or so. College, uh, anything else in the NFL you want to get off your chest? Babano, one last super secret power bomb winner, or you want to move on to college? Yeah, we'll go on to college, but I just want to make note about the David Johnson point. You're right, you got to get him the football more. I think they tried last week, but 12 carries for 31 yards, it's just not good enough. I mean, that's a guy that should be a much bigger integral part of that offense than that. We'll see if maybe they target him and get him involved more. They have to see if they do it this week. College, great college card uh, this week. Uh, I'm looking at Penn State and Ohio State, even at the high total, uh, going up and over. It was 39-38 last year. I like two quarterbacks that Haskins and McSorley have been great so far this season. Total 69 in that game. Uh, I think you're going to see plenty of points there in that game. Your sneaky underdog of the week to me is Southern Mississippi, the Golden Eagles at Auburn. They're catching 27. This is a tough spot for Auburn. They've got at Mississippi State on deck next week. They crushed Arkansas 34-3 last week, Auburn, but they were outgained by 65 yards. It's Arkansas, and Arkansas has been miserable this season. They don't turn the ball over as much as they did. Uh, they might have actually been right in that game from start to finish. I'm not liking Auburn's offense. They couldn't run the football last week. It's putting a lot on Jared Stidham's plate. Uh, the defense in the secondary is the weaker part of the Auburn team, and Southern Miss has a quarterback in Jack Abram, Abraham that's been throwing the ball fantastic this season. There's your big underdog that could hang around against a disinterested Auburn team this week. You know, that Penn State, uh, we talked about it earlier, Penn State and Ohio State. Can, can't ever recall a total being 69 in Big Ten play. Uh, incredible that it's that high. Another Big Ten game is Michigan. Michigan's laying 14 at Northwestern, Babano. And, you know, you look at Michigan, they lose to Notre Dame, then they kick the crap out of a bunch of bad teams. They obliterate Nebraska. And now suddenly it's like there's some sort of covering machine it's funny because Michigan historically have never been good big time favorites. Like when they when they're laying a ton of points, they they never really covered before. But Harbaugh senses the jackals are, are are you know in the wings right now. So when Harbaugh gets a chance to, he's beating the crap out of people, and we've seen that over the last uh, three weeks or so. This is a little bit different. I respect the Northwestern program. You know, if Michigan, this would be impressive to me. If Michigan go in there and, and kill these guys, that's a pretty impressive win. 14 points is too many points on the road. I think Northwestern is the play, Babano. 
Yeah, long-term, Pat Fitzgerald, double-digit underdog, has been excellent. But there's one problem now. Northwestern loses Jeremy Larkin at running back, retires from football. This guy was like 90% of their offense. The quarterback play from Clayton Thorson has been spotty this season. Pat Fitzgerald has been playing two quarterbacks this year. Now you lose your biggest piece by far on this offense. And apparently he's thinking about using a linebacker, from what I've read, at running back this week. That's a concern for me against this Michigan defense. I mean, Michigan in this price range is very, very dubious. They've been very, very difficult to trust. But if we see anything, anything close to the Michigan of the last few weeks where they've just drubbed one team after another, they might be able to cover this number. I've got, I usually love Fitzgerald as a double-digit dog, but there's a lot of issues. Northwestern got bullied by Duke and just dominated by Duke a few weeks ago. That's a big-time red flag to me. Usually I That's like true. Northwestern, Dave, in this price range, but... There's a lot of bad signs I'm reading out of uh, Evanston right now with this team. You're giving me a bad flashback to that Duke game. You're exactly right. Uh, I almost want to scratch scratch this pick. I'm like, oh, no. You're right. They fell apart. All right, we got to get out and of here. Jay Patterson, battle, but... and Jay Patterson's getting it going, too, for Michigan at quarterback. Yeah, I know, but they're playing against crappy teams, too, right? Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's a lot of points. All right, Babano, so we got about a minute and a half here. As we mentioned, Babano was with SportsMemo.com. Great people, SportsMemo, but uh, nothing lasts forever. There are changes, so um, you're less than a minute. You can find Babano, RightWager.com, and NHL Hockey starts next week as well, Babano. So I know you're going to be fired up for that. I'm looking forward to that. Next Wednesday, the start of the NHL season. You're right, uh, SportsMemo going through some ownership changes the last month or two, and it was just an opportunity to go to the new site with people I know very well. A big man on campus and Donnie Wright's side, and go to rightwager.com, and it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. We start Monday, and looking forward to uh, a great season. Football, hockey, basketball, college hoops not far away. It's a great time of year, Gabe, for fantasy players, for sports bettors. doesn't get better than the month of October. MLB postseason, everything's coming at you in the month of October. Ian Cameron, you can follow him on Twitter, at Babano. Thanks for the time, Babano. All right, Scott, Gabe, good to be with you. Have a good weekend. Good luck. Thanks to uh, Ian Cameron uh, with us. Ricky Sanders going to join us in the 6 o'clock hour. Me and Scott will talk some more NFL football. Let's uh, jump into some fantasy football talk as well. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Rage Radio. You enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries? Check out the Prop Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forgetting having to about uh, create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing late scratches. Avoid experts winning ninety percent of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. You sign up for a new account. Use promo code FNTSY. You get a fifty percent deposit bonus. Of course, you're gonna have to roll uh, things over if you take the bonus. You don't have to take the bonus, guys. We talked about this on a carton show uh, with uh, about uh, Ventures deal. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the props that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag and enter promo code FNTSY upon sign up. Uh, choose your matchups. Uh, use the my the uh, the mybookie.ag prop builder tool 
Uh, the, the prop builder tool is real cool stuff. That's mybookie.ag. Use promo code FNTSY. So let's talk some fantasy football, uh, Scott. And a player that's been a disappointment to me, and we didn't really talk about this game too much in um, Philadelphia and Tennessee, but is Derrick Henry. I know that Deion Lewis came in here, but did you expect Derrick Henry to be so ineffective? 46 carries, 139 yards, only averaging three yards a carry. Is Derrick Henry the next Trent Richardson? <laughs> That's a very amusing comparison. Is that harsh? I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I think he's in a bad situation. You know, an offense that's had quarterback injuries. The receivers are underperforming. Uh, you know, the defense has started to play better the last two weeks, but they're not just in a position to really run the ball right now, you know, the way that they want to. And they, they don't, tr- even though he had a great playoff game last year, they don't seem to trust Henry. And that's, you know, that's uh, certainly apparent by the, uh, the signing of, of Dion Lewis here, you know, best fantasy wise, you hope he's a flex, but this team's not putting him in position to cash in near, near the goal line, which is really his strength. Uh, Alex Collins is a guy that a lot of people are high on coming into the year, including myself. 34 carries, 116 yards, you know, 3.5 yards a clip. Uh, He does have two touchdowns, but um, to me, a big disappointment as well. Yeah, he he is. But, uh, you know, I think I think. I think things are going to turn around for him. Uh, right now, the, the times here is very annoying because Buck Allen, or Javorius Allen, uh, has uh, has four total touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. But, you know, Alex Collins, I don't think they totally trust him because of the fumbleitis that he's shown that actually got him booted out of Seattle. But I like Alex Collins. You know, he's puts his foot in the ground. You know, he's a confident runner, and he's he's got he, he's got some 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 quick feet, some nifty moves, some juke and some slide, some physical at the point of attack. Even more for a guy that his size. So he's going to continue. He got twenty one carries last week. So I think you can use him as a flex, which is a disappointment because I really liked him as an RB too. A player that um, hasn't gotten a ton of touches. So he's down there. He's the 32nd leading rusher in the National Football League right now. Jordan Wilkins. He's only got 120 yards, but he's averaging four yards a clip. Uh, you know, and I'm looking at some of these guys like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has uh, three more rushing yards on a year than Cam Newton does. You know, that, that's, not, you know <laughs> that, that's not good. <laughs> Alvin Kamara. What's your deal? Um, you know, Kamara... The rushing numbers are down, but the receiving is up, and he's still putting up monster fantasy numbers. And it's funny because he's only averaging 3.8 yards a rush. Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's so much volume there. You know, when you talk about a guy getting 20 targets in a game and as many receptions as he gets, it's, you know, this this team, they don't have a number two wide receiver outside of Michael Thomas. It's really Kamara and Thomas eating up all the volume. But things are going to change a little bit next week when Mark Ingram comes back. Maybe a little bit. They, they can't do this to Kamara all year. They're going to run him into the ground. Interesting game against the New York Giants. Everyone in the betting world likes the Giants here, Scott. Oh, the Giants, the Giants. They love that getting a three and a half. I get it. If it, you know, if it can get down to three, I would take a look at the Saints. To me, the Saints are just a better team. But there's a lot of skill on the field here, Scott, this this week. You know, you got Odell Beckham, you got Saquon Barkley, you know, you've you've got Eli Manning. It's like three on three. It's almost like NBA versus Michael Thomas, Kamara, and Drew Brees. I, I've got to take the guys uh, with the Fleur de Lee on their helmets here. 
Well, you know what, though? The Giants do have some playmakers and you know, great completion percentages by Eli Manning last week. If the offensive line is going to give him some protection, look, Odell Beckham Jr. had, what, 11 carries for 110 yards, 11 catches for 110 yards against Jacksonville. You know, you got to love him against this pass defense, and Sterling Shepard's going to be there. Saquon Barkley is third in the league in running back receptions. Uh, so you know, the Giants have they have some playmakers too, even though you know the quarterback is not what they used to be. And I, I don't understand Giant fans. Like I was talking to Jim Day about it. It's like you know they're all over Eli, and I'm like, said, oh, I would have rather had Philip Rivers. I said, well, you will have Philip Rivers. You wouldn't have two Super Bowls. Yeah. Because when Eli turned it on twice during the playoffs, he was a Super Bowl MVP. So knock Eli all you want, but ask a Detroit Lions fan or you know somebody like that or a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you know, if they would. I would like to have two Super Bowls. Would you exactly? Would you trade? Would you trade? All right, mediocrity for the better part of ten years and two championships, or twelve years and two championships, or a guy that throws like you said, a guy that puts Matt Stafford numbers up every week and you never win anything. I think the exactly. fans would take the two championships. And you mentioned Romo not being a Hall of Famer. Some people get mad when you say Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. And listen, I'm not, I've criticized Eli more than I praised him over the years, Scott. So I'm not an Eli defender or anything. He's really frustrated me as a, as a betting man. But he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. He's a Hall of, you know, he beat Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's Twice. the brother of a Hall, Hall of Famer. He comes from football royalty. He's getting in the Hall of Fame. Like, I can't believe that people argue it, to be honest. I don't, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. To me... Okay, I, let me I, ask I, you. You don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but will he be a Hall of Famer? Because I don't think he's the one of the greatest quarterbacks. And to be in the Hall of Fame, you're supposed to be, yeah, that guy was one of the best ever. Was Eli exactly. one of the best ever? No, he wasn't. But he won two big games. I don't think he is either, Scott, but I think he will get in because he's a Manning. Do you disagree with that? I disagree with that. Too. Really? You know, to your point, you you said it. It's like, it's like, look, you know, the was the guy ever the best of the best? You know, even though he won those two Super Bowls, you don't take that away. You give him credit for it. He deserves it. You know, in neither season was he the best of the best. Was Eli Manning ever the best among the best of the best at his position? Never. Tony Romo was never among the best of the best of the position. To football, it's harder to get in in other sports. you got to be uh, the best of the best. Well, what about Philip well, Rivers? Actually, actually base, baseball is, but I don't think Philip 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 Rivers is. He's put up a lot of good numbers. And you know, football is a team game. I think. I think you have to remember that. Has Philip Rivers ever been the best of the best? No, I don't think so. Never even made it to you a know, Super like, Bowl. Like, I'm not no. saying you know you want to blame him for not winning, but I never mean, look even at Terrell made it Davis. To a Super Bowl. He had a very short. He had a he had a very short run. You know, there where he was great, but for three years he was the best of the best. Yeah, I'm looking right now about Hall of Famers. All right, um, here's Roger Staubach on Eli Manning. I think he will be a Hall of Famer. I think he's on the road there. So when was this written? Uh, this is actually After the first two- Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. It's, it's on the road there. I was going to say, how was this article? It's actually a new article. I guess Roger's not really paying attention. Uh, no, he, so he goes, last year wasn't his fault. He had a lot of injuries. Eli is a winner. Um, so he's saying Terry Bradshaw. So Terry Bradshaw says yes. Two Super Bowls and a Big Apple is pretty good. He's a great player. They don't like him up there, but I do. Jim Jim yeah, I, Kelly. In due time, yeah, I think he is. Jim Kelly lost four Super Bowls, Scott. Yeah, but you know what? To get there, 
The, the average fan just you know, doesn't realize, I think. I know. Just to get there once You're right. is tough. You're it's right. It's so tough just to get there. And they did it four times. You know, they could have beaten the Giants. I can't say they should have beaten the Giants because you don't make the kick. You don't win the game. They could have beat the Giants. To make it there four times is very, very tough. And foot, football is a team game, too. But Eli's just been too up and down over his career to be considered a Hall of Famer. I like what Kurt Warner says. He's actually, Kurt Warner's a pretty honest guy. I like it. He goes, uh, Eli, that's an interesting question. When I look at the Hall of Fame, I look at it kind of an equation. You have your regular season, and that's one part of it, but you also have your postseason. And that's also a big part of it. And somewhere in between with the combination of the two, then it equals a Hall of Fame. Some guys just have better regular seasons that don't do anything in the playoffs. Some guys are the opposite. If you look at Eli and you stack him up in the regular season, you go, you know, probably not. This guy's not a Hall of Famer. But you add in the fact that he beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice, then it becomes a more difficult question. He goes, Kurt Warner goes, I think the fact that he's won two championships gets him into the Hall of Fame and puts him over the top. Um, Mike Singletary, absolutely. He says, yes. Franco Harris, as far as I'm concerned, yes. But let's see how it uh, plays out. If I was voting, he would get my vote. Tim Brown says, I don't know why not. Well, it seems like these Hall of Famer guys are all just too nice here, Scott, right? <laughs> I, I, I think they I think they are. You know, maybe they should ask Terrell Owens or something. I, yeah. I, I I don't know because you know, to me the guy's the guy's never been the best of the best. He's he's had two marvelous postseasons, you know, that that game against the yeah. NFC championship against Green Bay was like one of the best performances you'll ever see from a quarterback. But you know, it just it just hasn't been consistent. You know, we we've seen Randall. Well, Randall Cunningham never won a Super Bowl, so I, I really can't say it. I'm trying to jog my mind of like a quarterback that won the Super Bowl, but like was never really a Hall of Fame guy. You know, I'm besides Trent Dilfer, yeah, I know. Like, uh, you know, but but besides the Trent Dilfer, like Doug Williams, more, the, I'm not thinking Brad Johnson either. Well, no. What about uh, Joe Theismann? Theismann was really among the best of the best for yeah. a few years there. He he was he was in terms of efficiency he was just one of the very best at the position. You're right. Eli's never even been top ten, really. Right? <laughs> He's just sort of there. He's just like Eli's just an average quarterback that's won two Super Bowls. He's a, he's a, he's an average quarterback who played above average in two postseasons and has been below average at times as well. You know the consistency it it, it just hasn't been there. I mean, you think of all the the, the quarterbacks like. Roethlisberger, you know, two Super Bowls. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, you can make a case for Aaron Rodgers already. Drew Brees, you know, all these quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls in recent years. It's Eli's just, he's an anomaly when compared to all of them because for a lot of other quarterbacks, two Super Bowls, bam, it gets you in. But it, the rest of his career has been so uninspiring un- that I don't think he could be a Hall of Famer. You know, Phillip Rivers... Philip Rivers is interesting, and I would say no too if I was a voter to Philip Rivers. Um, but he's put up never won a big game. No, I know, and he's put up bigger numbers though, or the equal. He's passed Dan Fouts in so many of these statistical categories. Same team, Dan Fouts is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, would you argue? And I actually would. And I brought this up, Scott. I don't know how I feel about this, but you know we're freaking out about Mahomes throwing for four hundred yards. I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of quarterbacks are throwing four hundred yards right now. Seems like yeah, the defenses are like 400 is almost like the new 330 or something, dude. You know, Goff, Cousins, Fitzpatrick, 
we go down the list. There's a lot of dudes that are putting 400 up. It's almost becoming commonplace this year. Yeah, it it is. And, you know, you see some average fan saying, oh, I think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. It's like, you know, not the when they're giving up 500 anybody. yards in a game. They, they they can't stop anybody. It's, it's you know, it's... it's you know, this, and even this, Fitzpatrick you know, puts up 417 like yards, Scott. He threw the ball 50 times. It's like Allen Iverson taking 52 shots and scoring 48 points. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's fun to watch, but you know it's like the Dan Fouts Chargers all over again of the Marino Dolphins. Yeah, you know it's it's funny too because I got into it as far as Dan Marino. Dan people, oh, Dan Marino is the greatest of all time. It's funny too. Eli Manning and Philip Rivers are so joined at the hip because of the situation that you know that they came into. But so you don't think they get in, huh? You're going to think they say no. I think that I, you know, with the writers have a big. Uh, They've both been pretty nice to this. the media, Scott. Though they're both sort of media darlings. Yeah, but I think it, I think if it's integrity, look, if I I don't vote. I'm in the Fantasy Sports Writers Association Hall of Fame, and I have a word there, but I'm not in the Pro Football Writers. If if I was, Eli Manning would not get my vote, and uh, t- Tony Romo certainly wouldn't get a vote. Here's a good uh, Larry and Wawa is an older uh, an older sports fan, a great guy tunes into our shows all every day. Says Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls, no gold jacket. Yeah, there you go. There is that a go, good comparison you- with Eli and Jim Plunkett? Or do you yeah, say Plunkett yeah, Plunk, was better? Plunk, Plunkett was kind of up and down, I think. Yeah. From what I remember watching him, you know, he was, I think he might even have been better, better than Eli Manning. Yeah, but I think Plunkett was a bigger star in coming, coming out. You know what I mean? He was yeah. a star. Um, you're right, though. Plunkett, and I don't know. I mean, I was 11 years old, but I remember watching the game, and, you know, I was, I was a football fan by then. So I remember when they beat the Eagles, right, and Dick Vermeil. And I sort of remember the feeling at the time was almost like uh, it was like a redemption story with Plunkett, right, at that stage of his career. It wasn't like he was a dominant guy. It was like, a, and Jim Plunkett's back in a redemption story for Jim Plunkett. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Pl- Plunkett was like, he was never like one of those, uh, you, you know, pretty boy quarterbacks. You know, he was more like a lunch pail guy. Yeah, you know, the the Hall of Fame is very interesting. It's an interesting dynamic with the... With the the writers and your relationship with the writers, let's put it this way: If T.O. wasn't who he was, he would have gotten in faster. But it wasn't just the the media. I remember talking to Chris Dolman, and Dolman told me T.O. can wait. Like basically, he said T.O. can wait, man. And I said, you don't think he's off? He goes, yeah, he's all favor. He wait, and then he even he was honest. It was off the air, and he said he said it on the air too. He goes, I played with this guy. He said he was a bad teammate. He's not a good teammate. And he goes, that counts, you know. That that should count, or should it count, uh, you know, or or what what To does off the field, or is his divinist doesn't doesn't matter. But he put up some massive numbers. We can't argue that. Yeah, but he he was a divisive presence in the clubhouse from all accounts. What's going to be really interesting is when Marshawn Lynch comes up because everybody loves him as a teammate, you know. But the media obviously blew all of them off. But, uh, you know, it, it, for four years, he was arguably the best running back in all of the game. And, like, nobody over, took over a big game like Marshawn Lynch. I'm seeing an article here in which they're, they're grouping Frank Gore and Marshawn Lynch. Do you think that's fair? I think Gore's been more consistent than no, Lynch. No, I, 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 Lynch. Gore's been playing forever, sport. dude, and still doing it, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's the two different running backs. Gore was never the type of superstar that Lynch was for four years. Yeah, I years. know. Yeah. 
Lynch was arguably the best running back in football. You know what's funny? Like you said, Gore, Gore's never been like, man, he's dominating the NFL. But he also had 12 straight seasons of over 1,200 yards from the line of scrimmage. Pretty freaking uh, consistent, yet only top five in rushing once in his career. That's that's against that's something to hold against someone, isn't it? What's that one? I'm sorry. And, and Gore, that. Frank Gore was only top five in rushing in the NFL once in his career. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's just been so consistent, like you've said. And, you know, there was always that old fantasy football axiom. Oh, running back hits age 30. You know, he's not going to be yeah. good anymore. You know, it's like, he shot that out of the water. What about LaShawn McCoy? Kirk, Kirk, Curtis Moore. I say yes, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I think you make a case for it, but ultimately he might not get in. All right, we'll take a quick break. Ricky Sanders, we're talking DFS football on the other side. 